Hi everyone, this is Lockdown Mums the Podcast, the show where I chat to you lot the mums about what it's like to be a mum or become a mum during lockdown. This week's episode, I have my old friend Coral on the show um, and she's going to be chatting about her amazing daughter Betty and about the journey that she took um, to eventually end up with Betty. Um, And we're also going to be chatting a lot about endometriosis, so I really hope this show um, is useful to you if you suffer from it. Let's get on with it. Coral how are you? <laughs> Hi I'm good thank you how are you? I'm very well thank you. So you're on Easter <laughs> holiday? Yes I am thoroughly enjoying it your yeah, downtime but... is very nice. <laughs> yeah I can imagine as well if you've been homeschooling previously that actually having a break from all of that is probably very welcome. Yeah right now. with Betty um see because of work it's been really bizarre um for both of us actually because we moved so we I interviewed for for my new job um in February and then was looking um so I was, that's when we were living in Brighton so interviewed he, uh, in like around here got the job and then was like right now I need to start working at some kind of plan and then obviously March came everything went into lockdown um so Betty stopped going to her primary school and um, I homeschooled her for a while because I was classed as vulnerable for a while because I had pneumonia. Mm. So I wasn't allowed out to school. That was super fun. Um, and then when I went back, there wasn't a space for Betty at her school. So she ended up coming to my school. So I was teaching the key worker kids um, and then had Betty there as well, which was incredibly weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then we moved and um, it's been really strange this time around because kind of, I've been working teaching still but doing some online so some days she's gone to school some days she's been on that yeah it's just a bit all over the place to be honest so I think now everyone's like schools are back properly it makes it much easier in terms of schooling because it, it's it's really hard it's just like doing your job but double time <laughs> yeah and it's, it's a never completely different job really. mm. yeah it's like my new job such a different role that it's not the kind of thing that I can be doing around Betty so it's the kind of stuff you don't want it to hear. Um, whereas if it was just regular teaching, um, it would be tough, but I wouldn't be worried about what she was hearing. It would just be not the age range that she was used to having, really. So what kind of kids do you teach at the moment? What What is it that makes it so... Uh... So I have gone from teaching primary school, uh, mainstream, to I work in a pupil referral unit now. So it's for um, secondary school kids, so they're all year 11, really that are um, at risk of being permanently excluded or have been permanently excluded. So there's a lot of um, like social service involvement. I spend a lot of time talking to the police and safeguarding and dealing with very heavy things that, um, yeah, is very different. And I focus on their social, emotional, mental health. So I kind of teach them how to recognise their triggers and what to do about it to kind of regulate themselves when they are finding times particularly challenging so currently it's super fun <laughs> yeah god bless them that must be so difficult especially with everything that's going on now as well yeah and lots of them are looked after so it's not even like they've got parents to go to or families mm. they're in like residential care homes so it's a group of loads of them and obviously in a time that is quite scary it's 
just adding to it, isn't it? It's not fun. Yeah, that must be so hard. Is there was there a reason why you decided to move to do something different, or is it just kind of when you moved? Um, I got into teaching um, because I always wanted to work in a PRU. Um, I don't think I ever really spoke to anyone really much about it, but my own upbringing was is was uh, it wasn't particularly nice. Um, so it was single parent household, but um, she, my mum wasn't really very capable. So I brought my brothers up. There were a lot of kind of substance abuse there. Um, it just wasn't a nice environment. And I think I managed to hide a lot. We had social services involved loads. Um, but I was so worried about us being separated. I kind of just took on the role of adult and did everything. So when things were really hard at home, I just dealt with it. Um, and then I had a, I did have big wobbles in secondary school. Um, and I remember being sat down with uh, the year head at the time. She basically, I found her a terrifying looking lady anyway. Um, Who was it? Miss <laughs> Parkinson. Do you remember her? Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> she, I don't know what was about her. She just terrified me. Um, and basically she laid into me and then it was Miss um, Henry or Claire Trilliving. Do you remember Claire? Yes, I don't know if she was. So she ended up with my form tutor and she kind of stepped in and was like, right, there's clearly lots going on. You either need to sort yourself out or you are going to ruin your kind of education. Um, and she was so nurturing and so lovely. She works in the PIU as well now, funnily enough. Um, but kind of seeing her and the impact she had and others had when I needed them, I was like, this is what I want to do. Um, so I did my teacher training, got what started working in the mainstream but it was a really nurturing incredible school that had a lot of children with challenging behavior needs so I kind of focused I got a lot of focus with those and I was like right this is definitely what I want to do so I started my master's um in behavioral difficulties um and trauma and then found a job here um so it was the yeah I was looking for a role that didn't come in from Brighton it came up here and I just thought if I interview for it if I get it great if I don't Mm -hmm it's not the end of the world um and yeah I got it and then was a bit like oh crap I, I don't I don't know if I want to move <laughs> like I like my life <laughs> I panicked a little bit like what have I done <laughs> but no it's good I'm glad I took it oh well, that's great I'm so happy for you and it's so nice to hear a positive like story something that's positive that's come out of your childhood because yeah. I don't I don't ever recall when we were friends like back in college like seeing you upset or you didn't ever seem sad so you 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 hid that really well and in a weird yeah. way that kind of makes me sad that you you felt like you needed to but you seem to yeah it's one of those things isn't it I think um I think because of how I was so aware that if people knew then it could impact on things or someone might kind of I don't know, report us or do something. Mm. And I, there was there was four of us in the house. I was the eldest. And I just kept thinking if anything happened, um, it would just go, I don't know. And actually I was able, I, I went through a lot. I kind of, but I had counselling, like I was offered counselling at secondary school. So I took that and I've had counselling on and off since secondary. Mm. Um, I've completely accepted that that's what I've needed to kind of work through it, which is fine. Um, and it's made me incredibly resilient. Like I can handle lots of things. And I think sometimes it's a flaw, a huge flaw of mine, that I am fiercely independent. 
So I do find it hard. I do find it really hard to rely on anyone, but also to to kind of let people help me. Um, like moving, I was very much like, right, I've moved into the into a bungalow, which I love. But even with this, like I got home from work on the Friday. So I got home at four and was like, right, in moving house. It was during the pandemic, couldn't get a van. Um, a couple of people were like, right, yeah, I can help. And I was like, do you know what? I just want to get it done. I want to get it done now. So instead of rely- like waiting, I moved my house pretty much, all of my stuff into here in the back of my Astra doing 12 oh trips between like where I was staying. I was like, I will get in there. And then uh, a friend of mine, um, who's now my boyfriend, was like, right, I can come. I've got a truck. I can load a few bits up. I was like, no, I can do it all. By the time you get here, I have it done. Um, And to be honest, I I pretty much did. I got a king-size mattress and God knows what else in the back of my car. That's insane. (laughs) All by myself. And I was like, I will do it. I will do it. But I'm getting there. Like, that's one thing I'm getting there with, uh, especially with work. Like, it's intense. So I'm getting better at asking for help. Um, so I, d- I don't know, I wouldn't change my childhood, I don't think, which I know is a weird thing to say, but I think it's made me who I am. Mm. It's given me the career I've got. And it's, I think it's had a huge impact on my parenting. Um, I, for so long, I worried that I was going to be just like my mum, that I, everything I did, I kind of would step back and be like, right, is this what she would have done? If it is, I need to do the polar opposite. <laughs> like, I can't do that. Um, and part of it is I wanted to prove that it isn't as hard as, and don't get me wrong, parenting's hard, but it isn't so hard that sh- you need to mess up quite so badly. Like mm. even when things are tough, your child should still be your priority. And I think it was almost like I needed to prove to myself that that, that was the case. And it wasn't just that I was really, there was something wrong with me as a kid. Like I wanted to, it to be, to prove to myself that it wasn't me or my siblings. It was my mum just couldn't handle it. Mm. If that makes sense. It was yeah, a, it it's a weird one, parenting, I think. It's a weird one. But you've done such an uh, incredible job. Like, Betty is... <laughs> I, I love watching, like, the stuff that you put up on Instagram of you guys together because you look She's like... So... You've got such a strong <laughs> bond together and that is just yeah. so lovely to see. Like, I really enjoy she watching it. My absolute best friend. And I know that people always say, your kid should not be your friend, you're a parent. But actually, do you know what? She's seven years old. Right now, um, she does. She's not. She doesn't do anything really that makes me ever have to kind of tell her off. Like she understands boundaries. I've been. I'm very clear with boundaries. She doesn't really do anything. To, she's just funny. So she does things, and because she reads a lot, her vocab's incredible. So she just comes out with things. Sometimes you're just a bit like, okay, you yeah. really seven. Um, <laughs> to check things like she was talking to her about penguins and flamingos she was like I just can't believe that they have to regurgitate so much and then go off on a voyage across the sea to get more fish I was like what what (laughs) what oh bless her (laughs) no she's lovely and she's and she's she's unbelievably been unbelievably resilient because in the past few years She's lost my nan. So that was like kind of the closest thing to a parent I had who she loved. Um, she, me and her dad split up. We've separated. She has had a global pandemic. She has moved school three times. She's moved sit like from a city to a tiny village where nothing happens. She, and her granddad's been really poorly. So for her, she's like, yeah, what, what on earth? But she's, she does really well. And she talks about her feelings and, 
well not we spend a lot of time going through worries and stuff which works well for her she gets it and she feels like she can talk about it which is important yeah do you think that comes from like you said giving her a childhood that you missed out on essentially yeah I think so and some of it's probably my work as well like I'm so aware of how important the big things are and that you can get it so wrong with how you deal with it um and I, I I don't know I think sometimes maybe I approach her too much with like a teachery kind of the kind of psychology side of it um but actually I, I think it's so important that she's able to talk through things and she struggled quite significantly socially um so there's always always Senkos they always mention at school that she struggled she has certain areas that she struggles with and there's she there is a high possibility that she is high functioning autistic which is fine it's not something that would bother me in the slightest but I think because of that they're things I've always noticed so I've almost kind of from a young age encouraged her to talk about things and kind of find her own analogies so that she can Mm. share how she feels uh, so so she doesn't internalize it so I think it's probably more my work that's had that impact on her Mm. than I don't know but it's probably a mix of both though isn't it to be fair yeah oh that's it I'm really glad that she's the kind of kid that feels confident enough to talk about stuff because you see it Mm. so often with kids that just are like really closed in on themselves and you just want them to open up and you just yeah it's really hard because obviously they don't understand life completely but they also have a really unique way of looking at life that I think we can't really comprehend and yeah such complex little balls of squish do you know it throws me actually when my nan passed away um gosh it was about it's about three three years um Betty uh my nan was one of those women she was an incredible person but she wasn't a grandma that would like run over and squish your cheek and overly she wouldn't over love you so for Betty it was she loved it because she would go into nan's room and she would cuddle up with nan she'd sit with nan watching the like tv nan would never kind of push her love on Betty so Betty adored her um and I remember when I spoke to Betty about it because she had cancer and I wanted to kind of not obviously go the ins and outs, but wanted her to understand that Nan was poorly because she came to the hospital quite a few times with me. Um, and I kind of explained that there's a nasty disease that's kind of taking over Nan a little bit. Um, so we talked about it. And then <laughs> when she passed away, um, I was here, I'd driven back and I had got back to Brighton at like... I don't know, six, seven o'clock in the morning. My sister rang to say uh, it happened. It's it kind of, yeah. And I remember talking to Betty about it and she was really upset. And then she went, but it, just think now Nan will be in heaven um, and she will be with Elvis Presley, who she loves. <laughs> so like, she was like, positives, mum, positives. And you'll be able to see her again when you die. So you won't always be away from her. <laughs> Okay, great, thanks. <laughs> oh. oh, they do, they do. They have such a weird, amazing, amazing way of looking at it. And I think with mental health as well, like, I don't know if you what you think, when we were growing up, if you kind of talked about it, it was like you were attention-seeking or you are an emo kid. Yeah. It's like, it was so negative. There was such a stigma even when we were growing up. And I think that we have been, we're in a lucky position that it's been the kind of turning point where people are starting to talk about it. 
but I just think these little kids go through so much from such a young age. And actually, if we were taught in schools, it's okay to feel all of these things. I just think it would be so, just it would be so much more open. And I think as parents, hearing your kids say things like, oh, actually, I'm really worried about this. You can take it so personal. Like, oh, well, I'm, do, I'm failing them because I, my kid's sad about this. And I, I do it sometimes with Betty. But actually... We all feel like that sometimes. Like we all feel like we're having a really stressful day. So why is it more, why does it hit me like I'm a failure if Betty says I've had a really tough day today uh, because my friend didn't let me play a game of tag and I'm upset about this. And actually they're all things that it's really good for everyone to be talking about. And I think the fact that as kind of our age, we are more open to mental health and talking about it and acknowledging it it's a thing. I think the impact on our children is going to be massive. I think it's going to be such a powerful time for the for our kids to kind of grow up and be so much more aware of how they feel. I think it's going to be, I do think it's going to be a really powerful thing. Because we, I mean, when we were younger, we grew up without social media, mm-hmm. um, which I feel is probably a massive thing right now for young kids and mental health and anxiety and can you imagine if we'd had something like that when we were younger I mean I I found school hard enough as it was and I got bullied by people that were supposed to be my friends and I ended up having like I've still have got major like self-confidence issues anxiety and that all stems from being young and I see the women especially young women that are coming up now that are so independent and so body positive and confident and really supportive of other other women and I just look back and think I wish I yeah. wish that had been like what what it was like for us when we were kids but yeah this I, is the thing I just body like positive body image sorry is such a massive thing that like Betty is so her dad is um got olive skin really dark hair dark eyes and Betty has got really furry legs um and she said once someone had said to her at school this is when she was in reception as well really bothered me about how hairy she was um and obviously I shaved my legs and she started commenting commenting on it so I started not shaving my legs which I I struggle with a little bit like it's not a feeling I like <laughs> but I was like no you can you're going to see that we all have this and it's okay it's a choice now she's like check out my purse <laughs> she's so happy with it oh. I just think I like I would have loved to have someone be like do you know what no because again like I grew up with such confidence issues still now like I constantly feel like I'm not enough constantly feel like with everybody everyone looks better or everyone um can I don't know like just body image is a massive thing I think I care less now um like the last couple years but having Betty like the changes that you kind of go through I didn't realize actually I looked freaking great before I had Betty (laughs) and then I've had her and I'm like oh no you don't realize how good you have it until you have a kid (laughs) Because you're so wrapped up in your world back then that you see all the the little things that you think are negative and then you have a kid and then you realise, actually, that was pretty good. Now I'm just a whole ball yeah. of sag and wobble. <laughs> and it's really hard with with Betty. You'll, you'll find it with Winston. Like, you want them to be confident as young people. And some of that is, is learned from you. So you basically have to almost hot on this oh yeah I look great like the other day I went to meet my friend and Betty kind of got dressed and sat here and just went I look really cute today can you take my picture and I was thinking 
Yes, I can. I hundred percent can. <laughs> I, I can. And actually, I want to have days where I'm like, I feel I look great. I look fit. Take my picture. But I don't. But you almost have to fake that for these kids sometimes because it's like you don't want them growing up thinking that like, I don't want to mention that I don't like this part of myself or I don't like this or like I wake up some days. I'm like, God, I am, I need to sort my weight issue out. Like, oh, gosh. And actually, I don't want that for Betty. And then. I'll say something, like I'll put something on and she'll say something really cute, like, you look so nice in that. And you're like, this is, this is what we need to be doing as parents. Yet we grew up in a time and kids are growing up like it now. Like the expectation of us with everything kind of that you are, all the stuff you consume is that you have to look this way. You have to do this. You have to do this to be what people accept. And I think as a parent, that's one of the things I find hardest actually, not putting my own insecurities on her because it's, I don't want that for her. So you almost have to fake it. <laughs> fake it till you make it. Yeah. yeah. But do you know what though? I'm faking it so much. I'm actually starting to believe some of it. So it's a good thing. <laughs> like I'm a great parent. You are. You're amazing. It is. You are. <laughs> oh dear. But it's should we, um, should we uh, backtrack a little bit to your journey leading up to Betty. Are you happy to talk about yeah. that? Yeah. 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 Um, again, I don't know how much I talked about this when we were growing up, you know? So I, um, my very first period, I passed out at school and um, I felt really poorly and we were doing some like dissection or something in science oh. and everyone, I passed out or like, I, I did something and everyone found it really funny. Like, ah, she can't handle it. Um, and I'm being so embarrassed and I someone took me to the nurse's office and I was so poorly I was like I need to go to the bathroom and I was in the DT toilets on the floor and I couldn't breathe like I remember going in and out it was the scariest thing and I went to hospital and they said oh you've got toxic shock syndrome you're using tampons I was like I've never shoved anything like that anywhere no it's my first period like I don't know what you mean um, and they were adamant that I'd done it and I just didn't want to say anything because I'd get in trouble. And I remember them going, you won't get in trouble. I was like, I no, I haven't done this. Um, and then went home and then every month I was so poorly. Um, I we, like, I had the, an ambulance so many times, blue lit me to hospital because my oxygen levels dropped so much because the pain was so intense. And I remember thinking, what is wrong with me? Like, there was something wrong. And they said they had ME. They said I had chronic fatigue. They kept saying it was my appendix. I was like, it's, it's not. And then I um, had a boyfriend in at the end of um, secondary school from Birmingham. He was so lovely. His mum was amazing. And I remember staying with them a lot. And whenever I had an episode, um, they he, like they really looked after me and he messaged me once and said my mum's watched this morning um and there's something called endometriosis and it sounds just like you I was like okay and I read it and it's like over 30s um so I was a bit like mm, okay I mean I tick all the boxes and I went to my doctors about it and they went no no, no it's not that you're way too young it can't be that it can't be that there's no way I was like right okay and this is when I was like 15 um and then I kept kind of pushing for it um and then I moved house um and changed doctors and went to one person who was like a women's expert um and he was incredible and he said you are far too young for it but I kind of feel like you need to be referred to a gynecologist um I was like okay went to see the gynecologist 
had a few things that was the most awkward thing being like 15 years old and having someone down there rooting about um and I went to all my appointments myself because my mum just did not give a crap she didn't care so I was going to all these terrifying appointments um and they said oh you need surgery we'll just go and have a look I had scans there wasn't they weren't sure um, so I had surgery and the doctor said, yep, uh, we found some endometriosis and some cysts. We've burnt it all out. You'll be fine now. I was like, okay, right, great. Um, two months after that, I was still getting pain. I was like, well, it's not quite the same, um, but bad. And then uh, I went to see a doctor again. I was like, right, this is still happening. He said, the thing is, they've said that it's it's dealt with, but you, it's not curable. So there's a high chance it's going to keep coming back. Um, and I was like, right, okay. And he said, the thing is, like looking from your notes, where they found it, you're probably going to find there's a, there's a much harder for you to conceive. I was like, right. And this is when I was like 16 being told, you probably won't be able to have kids. Um, and then they said, so either have a baby, see if, it, see if you can have a baby or have like, consider having a hysterectomy or something. I was like, again, 16, they should not be telling you this, surely. so much to take in at that age. Yeah, and I was sat there by myself a bit like, so either has, have a hysterectomy or have a baby or don't ever have a baby. Um, so I then decided that my sole goal in life was to be to have a baby. Um, I knew that I would be, a, I knew that I could parent. I knew that I'd be a good mum. And I think I yearned for that unconditional love that I'd never had before. And I think the only way I was going to truly accept that love is not from a partner. It was never going to be from a partner. It was going to be from my child because it's, it's different, isn't it? Um, Anything can happen with a partner, but with a kid, it's, it's different. Like they are you, (laughs) they are, do you know what I mean? It's so different. Um, And I, I actually ended up, so I miscried five times before I had Betty. Um, and I remember, like, got to the point where it happened and I didn't even, like, pay attention. I remember ringing the doctor, being like, right, this has happened. Um, so I went to see them. This is when I moved to Brighton. Went to see them. And they said, yep, yeah, so it's, it's a miscarriage. Just keep an eye, stay home, see what you're doing. And I was like, okay. And I offered counselling and stuff. And I think I was so blasé about it. I just, I was so used to it that it was almost like someone asked me for a coffee. Do you want a coffee? It was, it was just, I was so used to hearing it. Um, and I got to, it was, I got to six weeks, about six weeks every time. And then it would happen. Um, and I remember with Betty, it was, it was different. Um, I, was 10 days I was at uni actually at the time and uh I felt really ill um and I was still getting endo pains but not quite as severe um I started to they put me on so many pills kind of growing up that I was like I don't want to and they try different uh contraception kind of ideas that help with it but I have polycystic ovaries and endometriosis so sometimes they counteracted each other and I just couldn't cope with it I got so poorly so bloated uh, they put on, I put on so much weight with the injection, like all these ideas. I was like, I don't, I just don't want anything in my body. I will deal. I would just take normal painkillers and then just stay home and cry. Um, so at uni, I remember being late and I was there with a couple girls and it was PE. And I was like, I'm not doing PE. I feel so ill. Um, and everyone knew that I was trying for a baby. Like my like kind of friendship group knew I was trying for a baby. Um, Cause I had a plan. If I got pregnant in uni, childcare was free 
which I know is really bad. But, but also great. I'm 100% <laughs> capable of doing a de- teaching degree full time and having a baby. I can do this. Um, and I did a pregnancy test when I was a week late and it came up negative. And I kept getting these pains and I was like, my period's still coming, right? Okay, great. It's taking its time. And I think I ended up like 14 days late altogether. And I'd done a test the day before and it came up negative. And then I had, it was a two like twin pack of clear blue. And I put one on the sink, like, right, I can just put it away tomorrow. And I woke up really early with period pains. And I was like, right, this is definitely it. Like it's going all down my legs and my back, how it used to do. hundred and that. So I kind of sat down and then there wasn't any periods. So I was like, well, I mean, there's a test there. I might as well, while I'm here, did it, put it back on the sink and went back to sleep. And then probably like 45 minutes later, I got up to kind of um, take some painkillers, sat on the sink, I sat on the toilet, sorry, looking at the sink and saw it. And it said that it was two to three weeks pregnant. And I shat myself. Like I was just like, what? And I hadn't ever had the pains like mm. I was having. So I was like, this is it. I'm staying pregnant. Like I'm a hundred percent staying pregnant. And uh, Betty's dad was like, we can't tell everyone. It got to five weeks. I was telling the world. I was like, yeah, I'm definitely pregnant. He was like, you, you always miscarried five, at six weeks. I, I don't, you're just going to get upset. I was like, no, nope, I'm definitely pregnant. I'm staying pregnant. And I got to like seven or eight weeks. And um, I was like, yes. And then I started bleeding um, when I was eight and a half weeks. And I was distraught. So I went up to the hospital. Um, hadn't seen the midwife or anything yet. Um, was so upset and kind of got there. And they did a scan, um, but it was an internal. And they didn't say anything. She was really negative. She was like, well, I can't really see anything. So you're going to have to come back in two weeks. Oh, um, God, I was horrible. like, right. I just, you know what I mean? It's like they knew my history. Mm. Two weeks I had to wait. And I remember just every day I would wake up and every time I got a cramp, I was like, this is it. And I'd already decided that it was a girl. And I I'd, I always wanted a boy. I always said I wanted a boy, but something straight away felt different. And it's like, I'm having, I'm, ha- I'm going to have a daughter. And I was convinced I was having a girl from like, the get go. Mm. Um, and I went back and the woman was like, no, your scan last time was really good. It's just, it was too small to see a consistent heartbeat. I was like, why on earth did they not say it like that? <laughs> why did you say that? Instead of being like, oh, there's nothing here yet. Eight weeks, there's no baby. It was clean our baby then, isn't it? But yeah, I got to 10 weeks and she gave me this scan. And obviously it's in the triage and people, you go there and it's not always positive. So she was like, here's the scan pictures. You can have them, but keep them to yourself. Please, like, I know you're excited that there's a heartbeat, but kind of keep it to yourself because um, outside is not necessarily going to be as many happy things going on. I was like, okay, yep. And it was nothing, Jen. Like, it was a peanut. Like, it did, It looked like nothing. It was a splodge. You saw nothing. I had no idea what I was looking at, but I knew I was looking at her. And just, I had, like, the, I had the crappiest pregnancy. I had um, SPD, do you know? Uh, so pelvic girdle pain. My hips gave way, basically, at 16 weeks. Oh, bless you. <laughs> I didn't care. I was on crutches. I had legs. Like, my ankles swell, like, were so swollen. I couldn't walk. Like, they wobbled. Um there was so much water retention. I was sick every day until 22 weeks, like proper vomiting. Oh, my heart. I was at uni full time. Like I was at uni full time still. Um, in So I lived in Brighton, was at uni in Chichester. And I was just, don't get me wrong. I had like the stuff made me mad. 
But I was blissfully happy. I was so happy. And I remember going for the scan when we were going to find out what she was. And I was convinced it was a girl. Sat down. And the stenographer was like, you say it's definitely a girl. I just had someone in here say they bet their house to a homeless man. She was having a boy. She was having a girl. <laughs> and I was like, right, Bella, I'm not her, am I? And I'm having a girl. Like really cocky, sat down. And I'd already decided that she was going to be called Betty Rose. I'd always wanted her to be called Betty Rose. Um, or if she was a boy, which I, again, didn't think she would, um, she was going to be Albert, so we called her Bertie. Um, so I was going to have a Betty or a Bertie and sat down and they were like, oh, it's a girl. You know, in that smug feeling like, yeah, no. <laughs> it was, but no, it was amazing. And I think, yeah, it, it was a really horrible pregnancy, but I was so happy, so happy. And I then, 32 weeks, I, start, uh, my, I thought my waters went and I got rushed into hospital from uni. It was really weird. But um, they said that you have, I didn't know this, you have sacks of water that you can lose any time during the pregnancy and it makes no impact on the baby. What? So I, I had genuinely had, my I waters had, no had kind of gone. Um, but it was amazing. And then my hips, uh, during that kind of them checking me over, she was pushing my hips. She was like, relax. I was like, I, I physically can't. Like, it's so painful. I can't. Um, and she pushed my legs and I passed out um because they were trying to examine me I passed yeah. out the pain was so intense um and then they started asking me about things and there were things I didn't realize weren't normal so um I was saying about it now you've got quite significant pe- like pelvic girdle pain um so I started going to um having physio and they're like yeah you're completely like you're you're wonky like this is you are essentially and it's where well, your bones grind because your body really rela- um so you release relaxins, which is meant to happen like 36 weeks, yeah. 16 weeks. I couldn't get out of cars, couldn't get out of bed. It properly had to like swing both legs together. Mm. Um, it got to the point where I was in a wheelchair by the end. But um, I said, I don't want to have it naturally. Like I, I, have, I don't care about a birth plan. I'm having a baby, but I don't care how it happens. Um, I've waited my whole life for a baby. As long as she gets to me and you hand her to me and everything is fine. I don't care how she gets here. Um, and my midwife was very much like, no, have a home birth. Do don't take any painkillers. And I was like, I I don't, I don't care. Like, I'm all for people having their birth, how they want their birth, but that's not for me. Like, so don't tell me what to do. <laughs> I know what I need. <laughs> I, 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 did, I asked, um, she was away at one of my things. I did, I asked them outright, like, do you think that maybe a cesarean would be a good shout. And I was like 35 weeks. So when you're pushing, you're pushing it, like it's going to be a race to get that organised. I was like, yeah, I, I kind of feel like maybe if I pass out just by someone touching my leg, trying to squeeze a baby out of no chance. Um, and I went to see like, who I needed to see. And they're like, yeah, we think it's selective cesarean as well. No problem. Um, so come in a week early, basically. So she's due the 29th and I had her the 22nd. Um, so I ended up having, yeah, a elective cesarean, which I'm really happy with. I wouldn't have changed anything. So yeah, now she's that. here, and she was worth the weight, wasn't she? <laughs> she was, but the thing is, like, it's so bad when they pass you the baby. Like, I don't, I don't know how to describe it, but like, I was so desperate to hold her. Like, I had a really lovely experience, actually, in terms of birth. Like I've heard horror stories of cesareans and even elective cesareans, but mine just that like my waters went the day before. Um, 
but no yeah called them like yeah we haven't got any contractions don't worry about it so went in at seven my best friends uh, James and Rachel drove us and I was so happy I was in the car like I'm gonna meet my baby it's gonna be awesome I might be able to stand up with like without support in a few days it's gonna be great (laughs) um, and we got there and they said oh it's gonna be a bit of a wait there's a few emergencies ahead of you which is fine and then all of a sudden they came back in and said um Oh, if you get your gowns and stuff on, we'll take you through. And I was like, what? But you said we'd be waiting hours. Um, and I got to have my own playlist. So I had made my own play- playlist of what I wanted to listen to. It was in Brighton on the 13th floor. And it was just a sea view. It was oh. the most beautiful room. And I was there a bit like, this, am I paying for this? <laughs> like, <laughs> this is like a hotel views. It was so nice and uh, had my music playing and um, gave me the epidural and he was like, oh, you know, uh, some people feel a bit funny of this. Epidural I could, t- I could take, the cannula in my hand, I passed out twice. <laughs> <laughs> it was so bad. And, uh, and then I just got the giggles. Like I found it hilarious realising I had no pants on and there was so many people down there. <laughs> like, I even checked. I was like, I don't have pants on, do I? They're like, okay, no, you don't. And then they lift the gown, like they lift your gown and peg it to make an extra screen, which I find even funnier. Um, but when they were like moving me, because I couldn't feel my legs, I then also got confused at whose legs they were because I couldn't feel them, but could see the moving legs. So I was like, who is that down there? <laughs> oh, oh, it's me. <laughs> Sorry. And uh, I was there like chatting to, chatting to them, like finding everything hilarious. They said, so are you going to start? And they said, yeah, we, we're literally just lifting your baby out. I was like, what? <laughs> I don't know if you heard people say that like uh, cesareans feel like someone's washing up in your stomach. Mm. Nope. Like I found nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so when they then like handed me the, like handed the baby up, I was a bit like... <laughs> when did you do that (laughs) um and she looked it was amazing but I just remember looking at her like she looks gross like (laughs) she's so slimy (laughs) yeah and then because when they where the gown is like if they put her on my chest I couldn't see her because she was so close to my face Mm. all of my chins got in the way and I was like I can't see her (laughs) um so I gave her to her dad. So her dad had like skin to skin. And when they kept trying to pass it to me, I was like, I physically cannot see her. If she's that close, mm. I can I just wait until she we're out of the like theatre so I can physically see her. Otherwise, I have no idea what I'm looking at. Um, and I remember thinking she looked like a little Eskimo kid, like or a mole. She was so furry. She had like the squidgiest face, so much hair. And then down her back and her shoulders, she was like a gorilla. She had this like thick black fur strip and that swells on her shoulders, which made me giggle so much. Um, And then I was so anxious about feeding. And then I was like so scared. She just kind of climbed onto the boo by herself. And I was like, well, this is happening. (laughs) Off we go. That's great. (laughs) That's so rare. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was all just considering how hard it was to get her my kind of recollection of her birth and all that uh, there there isn't a single negative thing that I could say about it because I think I was in awe of her just existing that I think anything could have happened and I just wouldn't have realized she was born to Jimmy World which I is my favorite band so I was just in heaven just having the best time oh that's so nice. Now she's 
wild. Yeah. Oh, that's such a lovely story. I mean, you, you've been through so much and you know, actually, do you know what? The weird thing is, is you were the first person to tell me about endometriosis. I remember. Really? Yeah. I, rem- I can't remember where I'd put it. It must have been on Facebook or something. And you said, get the doctor to check you for this because oh, yeah. they don't like checking checking for it and it's really hard to diagnose and so I I my story is quite similar to yours it started pretty much when I was a teenager and I also passed out at school but it was in the history block (laughs) not the DT block Um, and I've also been to hospital multiple times yeah I was sick all the time I spent a lot of it just sat on on the toilet crying in agony with people just being like oh I'm sorry you've got period pain it's like this is not period pains this is something yeah. else like I missed so much work I missed so much stuff and I had weeks off school yeah like I was looking about like, I had weeks off school where I, they took me into hospital because I'd had a fit and they were like oh th- you could be epileptic I was like I'm not, this is just my period like you, this is you get it's like a panic attack isn't it because yeah. you're breathing so hard to try and stop the pain my hands and my face would go numb and I remember yeah. p- passing out on the bathroom floor of my then partner's house and he called an ambulance and they turned up and I was just there with like no trousers on, couldn't move. <laughs> yeah, that, that was guys, my favourite. <laughs> two guys just came in just like f- trying to figure out what was wrong with me and then I just vomited everywhere and then they gave me some gas now and I was like, oh, oh this is so good. Can I just have this one ever? I've got period. <laughs> this is amazing. Your own supply. <laughs> <laughs> but it took me... So I I had my operation in 2019. So how old am I now? I was 30, 30 I was 31. Mm, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And I don't know about you, but the recovery for that operation was horrendously painful. I had trapped gas all in my chest and in my neck. And like every time I stood up, I could just feel it. And like that, that was almost worse than the endometriosis. And it took like two weeks for that to go away. Like my scars and like my, and everything were fine. It was just that horrendous pain. And I had, I mean, the periods I had after were still painful, but they were nowhere near as bad as they were. And then I was really, really fortunate that I got pregnant at the end of the year and I was so shocked because me and my husband were very prepared to be going to the clinics to maybe have IVF and to figure out whether mm. it was possible. And yeah, I, I still can't believe it now. And like my pregnancy with Winston was fairly normal apart from the horrendous mm. nausea. I think I was very lucky. And so, but do you know what, even if honestly, I think when you mentally prepare yourself for it not happening or it having to happen in an unconventional way, I think you could have had the worst pregnancy and you would have, like, it's just, it almost wouldn't have mattered because you do get in that mindset, like, but going through so many miscarriages, it was a case of, like, I I could be in a wheelchair from day one and I would and be vomiting over everything every second of the day. Like I could have had nine months of not eating mm. and I'd be fine. Like I would have been happy because I think, I think as well, like when you're younger, you take it for granted that these are things you're just going to be able to do. And I think I am fortunate that I could have was able to get a diagnosis young. So I always knew that it was 
something. But I think that so many doctors are so not even against, but so desperate to not kind of deal with it. I think sometimes, or they don't know enough about it. I don't know what it is, but young girls are just like, no, that's not, that's not the case. I think it's definitely Um, a bit of both, isn't it? That it's not something that's been massively studied and it's really frustrating that the only way to diagnose it is to have the operation Yeah, because you can't can't really see it on scans. No, my friend actually in Brighton, um, I said, wow, she was my beautician at the time actually. And I remember going, going for a bikini wax and she started chatting about things and um I don't even know how we got into the subject of it but after like going there for a few different things um she started talking about the fact that they were tr- her and her husband were trying for a baby and never happened and she started talking about her periods and I was like oh, you've got endometriosis she was like no 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 I don't the doctor said I don't and I was like you had, have you had surgery she was like no they said that I was like you've got endo like I'm, I can almost guarantee you you have endo and they end up going private she had endo it they completely like cut it all away she got pregnant within a couple of weeks after with her oh, first right. which is amazing and then it's I found this absolutely incredible so she they had a little boy and then when the little boy was I don't know maybe like just coming up to a year she fell pregnant with twins <laughs> she was like I didn't even think I could have kids and you told me about this one thing and I've got all of the babies <laughs> And you know when you're like, you are welcome. You're so welcome. <laughs> Slash, I'm sorry. But I think this young women, there's not there's not enough awareness about it. And I think there are so many people like you that it's it's not just period pains. And I think even now, like it is much calmer. I'm pretty sure it's now more on my bowels and things. Um, but I get this thing now, and it's only been happening the last few years, actually. And I'm so scared of going back and having surgery and them messing up and it really affecting my bowels or it affecting it to the point where I can't ever have kids again. Because my periods are painful, but they're settled. Like I have pain five five days before. If I'm stressed, they are off the chart bad. Um, but I have pain all down my legs, all over, like in my stomach. I have like the stabbing cramps. But I now, on like the night before I'm due on, it happens every month pretty much. Um, my blood pressure drops so much that I, um, again, I need to go to the toilet, but I pass out. Mm. Um, but it's, I always have like a really upset stomach. I get so hot that I, I'm just naked, instantly naked. Like I cannot cope. But um, I have passed out onto a radiator and burnt my back. Like oh, no. now... Do you know what I mean? Like, but it seems to be now, like my really bad episodes are when I've been asleep. Like they wake me now, whereas before it was any time of day. Now they wake me. And it's actually, if what it means for me is my baddest episodes are in the middle of the night, I can kind of just about function. Like I don't often have to call in sick for it. Mm. Um, But I have just found out, I don't know if you know this, headaches and migraines are... A symptom of it and I've suffered with headaches and migraines for as long as I can remember I and I've been to the doctors so many times about it and they've just said you're too stressed your job is stressful your life is stressful stop being so stressed <laughs> sure and, um, okay great thanks yeah <laughs> one one told me to um, to quit my job she's like sat opposite me held my hands and said Coral for you to stop having headaches you need to quit your job I was like okay I will stop providing for my daughter I will do that thank you um 
and actually it's 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 like symptoms that it isn't social media has been incredible for it because I follow so many endo pages that all these things I didn't know are to do with endo I ha- I I deal with that every like every month every day and they're all things that come under it and actually now I know that I'm not constantly thinking oh no I've got a brain tumor or oh no I'm gonna die or oh no what if I'm losing my vision because Dr Google told me so um <laughs> But you panic, don't you? And actually, endo is this all-encompassing, horrible disease that not enough people talk about. And when you do try and raise awareness about it, the amount of people that say, I've got that, or actually my auntie's got this, or I know someone that's done that, or oh, my friend's done this and she can't have kids, it's massive. It's, it's way more massive. common than you think. It's like one in three. Mm. One in three women have it. That's It's like absurd to think that that statistic exists and yet doctors still are concerned about mentioning it to younger women i think i think back in the day when studies were done on human anatomy on diseases on pain especially all of these were done with men yeah they they weren't done with women and women feel pain and perceive pain in a very different way. And so I feel like women's health is a good like 10, 20 years behind yeah. because of this. And like we're suffering for that. Yeah. Like we Do you find like when you're trying to explain the pain as well, like there is nothing like it. Mm. And that's the thing I find really hard to explain. Um because I've obviously had to talk to Betty. Like I live alone. I have bet like I co-parent, so I have Betty half the week. But like explaining to my boyfriend, like, oh, so if I ever pass out, this happens, this has or this happens, I'm fine. It's just my endo. Just leave me unless I say it's bad. And I've had to say almost say the same to Betty and almost like prepare people, but it's like I can't explain how it feels. Like I can't explain to them how because it's it just it's it just takes like, over, doesn't it? Yeah. You just it's become tough. this ball of pain and different sensations and you you kind of just go in on yourself for hours or days on yeah. end and you just think, when is this going to end? Like, when are these painkillers going to, like, click in? And, and even when they do, it's still... You still it have it so doesn't do that. Symptoms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, the one... The symptom I hate the most, though, that gets me every time... To be fair, I think, like you said, pain threshold. We have great pain thresholds. I can cope just about with the pain. Like, I get by. But then I've been having that pain since I was 11. So it's almost like that's just part of my day now. Mm. Um, it's it's the fever. It's like when the fever hits, I go so lightheaded. Mm. And, like, the pain almost, like, waves through me. Yeah. And that, I can't. I can I I would never get used to that and it's that where I was sitting like a warm bath or like a lukewarm bath trying so hard to control it or like a cold shower and I'm still feel like I'm on fire and I'm gonna just hit the floor that's not when I vomit (laughs) yeah I pass out I pass out or I have I've had fits which really scare me because I think why am I having fits and the doctor says how your body reacts to pain like that is your body can't cope anymore so it passes out and fits because it's a reaction to pain and it's like actually that's a really scary thing for someone to see mm. and then me be like oh don't worry it's just endo no one to take it seriously don't worry about me like there's nothing you can do <laughs> just laugh and, off this one <laughs> you know what I mean it, like but that wave it and that's the thing that gets me and it'll hit me at different times 
and it will always be bad when I'm ju- I just come on. But and also the heaviness. Can we just talk about this? Like, I'm pretty sure I lose more blood than I should naturally do so <laughs> within the first like 24 hours. Yeah. <laughs> like, the first the first like day and a half is always the yeah. hardest part, isn't it? And it's like I how is that how is that possible? And like they always say, don't they? Like I don't know about you, but I clot quite a lot with it. Mm. Um, I've always had really um, bad clots, and they've said um, before that if it's like really, like if you get really black clots, um, it, that's that's endo. I was like, right, okay. Uh, and you're also told any clots bigger than fifty p, call your doctor. And it's but that's like that's a day and a half. The first day and a, yeah, like first day and a half, two days. That's essentially every month, and it's mm. like I. How, why is that not talked about it's it's these things that you don't when someone said like when the doctors say right yeah you've got endometriosis this is what we found you'll be all right now or we've tried to get it just have to maintain it yeah I almost want there to be a leaflet or a book or something when I first got diagnosed to say these are all the symptoms that you might have these are all the things you're probably going to face off you go because I spent I spent so long each month being like what is this like and what, I, I, like, I don't know about you as well, because it's not always the same every period. I sometimes felt like, not everybody, but some people thought I was being overdramatic because I'd have a yeah. different symptom and I'd be like, I, I'm not making it up. Like, this is how my body feels. And like, I can't, like, I can't, I yeah. have no control over that. And like, you do feel guilty as a woman, like having time off of work because you have a period and like people just like, oh, she's got period again. And cancelling things. Mm. I think for me, it's, I suffer of anxiety and stuff anyway, but having that on top, I don't want to go out. Like, I don't want to be around people when I am, I feel like I'm dying. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to do that. And I feel so guilty. The things I've cancelled on, is insane and actually the guilt is massive mm. but I physically couldn't do it even if I wanted to mm. but do you know what? there's a whole different level now um for me because I was reading about it not long ago and it can be hereditary and mm. I didn't know this so it's something that I like it breaks my heart thinking that could be something that Betty's gonna go through and I just think I had her and I've not like since her, I've miscarried since having Betty, um, which hurts so much more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think I don't want that pain for her. And to know that it's, I know it's not my fault, but genetically it's my fault. It's like, that sucks. Like, yeah. But you yeah. also have the knowledge to yeah. recognize the symptoms and could maybe maybe not fix it for her but help her to manage it better than someone yeah. who, who's got no idea of what it is because I think that for me that was the hardest bit because I just felt so alone like you'd, you'd say to someone this really hurts and they can give you sympathy but they can't really understand what you're going through yeah. until you've met someone that has been through it <laughs> and it's also the things where it's like because the, especially guys and I do you know what I feel for them actually like my first boyfriend that like the um the guy whose who's mum is the one that told me about it. Like, he used to look after me so much when I was like, this is when I was like 15 and absolutely terrified because I didn't know what was going on with my body. And it was in, like, in the kind of main part of when I ended up leaving home when I was like 16. I went back on and off. Um, 
but then moved away properly when I was 19 it was kind of in the middle of when things were really bad and I ended up living like staying with them for a couple of weeks and like friends for a couple of weeks because things were so bad at home and I remember just having people around me that really wanted to help me but also you had no idea of how to explain what that you don't know what you need Mm. and you don't know how to explain just how much pain you're in without scaring them like I still find that now like the idea of having a bad period or like having a really bad episode because I've lived away so long I now live pretty much opposite my older sister um no one's really I've always kept it kind of when I do have really bad episodes I've almost kind of kept it quite private because I have been like lived away from people and I can just shut off and not talk to people for a few weeks I think now the idea that I would have to try and explain it all over again and I don't but I don't want to scare people like I don't want to worry them when you have to pre-warn them that you there's a high possibility I'm going to fit like there's nothing you can do about it I don't have epilepsy I don't I'm not having some kind of random it's it's this and then it's like I worry that it's going to impact them and then they're going to over worry about things and the impact it has on other people is so much bigger than I think I ever really considered as well because mm. I was very much like you know it sucks I'm I'm having the worst time but like for Betty now if she was to see me in that way like she's she's heard me pass out from it she's heard me pass out she's seen my like I I passed that onto the radiator and I had a massive burn down one side of my back she saw that like I couldn't hide it it was my entire back and it's like for her to see things like that I think makes me really sad but it's yeah like you said if it does impact her I know enough that I can support her but I have her I can't complain I have an incredible kid and yeah I always I don't know what it means moving forward I don't know if in the future I will be able to have kids again I don't know if I'll be able to have any more and sometimes I think about that and think, actually, but I would really like another one. I've always wanted to have two. But if that doesn't happen, I I have one and she's incredible. And all of my dreams have been fulfilled with her. She is the most perfect rainbow I could have ever wished for. Um, but it's weird thinking how much it's going to impact, like how much is it? Because that was my goal. Do you know what I mean? Like, but I've got her now. Tick, endo uh, zero, me one, screw you. Um, but then I think moving forward as well, like, is it, my, my it is, I do feel like it's not as bad since having Betty. Mm. I don't know about you after having Winston, I don't know if it's kind of, because they talk, that's one thing they told me it would cure me if I had a baby. Like, yeah. oh yeah, nine months, you'll Same. be uh, having a period, I'll kill it off, don't worry. Yeah, they've been shorter. Yeah. That's about it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> everything I feel else like is pretty pain. much the same <laughs> yeah I feel like my pain has shifted I feel like it's different since having Betty but it's still there mm. I mean I still but have it. random pains that I can't explain <laughs> like even when yeah. I'm not on my period and I don't know if that's from having Winston or what I don't know so <laughs> it's just like oh I've got a weird pain it. in my leg cool that's yeah. endometriosis that's pregnant yeah, I if I can't explain my endo it's my endo <laughs> and uh, do you know what I remember being out um on a day trip we weren't um 
so when I knew I was getting a job here, I made an effort to get back into contact with a few people that I knew were still in the area. Um, and I was on a day trip with somebody. We've been to a garden, like really amazing subtropical gardens. And then they took me to um, Portland where my granddad's ashes were buried and they'd never been. I was like, oh, look, let's have ice cream. It'd be amazing. Oh, I love Portland. Me too. And do you know what? I had an episode there. Like I could feel it coming. I was in so much pain. I went to the bathroom, got back in the truck and was like, we have to go home now. Is it okay? I was like, no, we need to go home now. It's my endo. And I was just like, trying to make friends here. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Take me home immediately. I need to go. Let me go. (laughs) It's that quietly in the car, like, oh God, don't pass out. Don't don't do anything weird. You need friends. (laughs) You're relocating. Don't vomit. Don't vomit. Don't vomit. Don't pass out. Don't don't get naked because you're too warm, which is normally my (laughs) go-to. Oh, I think on that note, <laughs> we should probably wrap up the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh no. <laughs> it's been so, so nice to catch up with you. Oh, you too. It's been like half a lifetime, which is mental. It really has. And aren't you, are you in Bath? Yeah. See, when things open, I'm not far now. Yeah, come. I'm come back see. in the area. Yeah. Oh, I'd love yeah. that. You meet little Winston. Uh, you can be Betty. I'm sorry. Yeah. They can have a play date. They can look, they can <laughs> look after each other. Yeah. Betty now really likes babies. She used to hate them, but detest them. Um, I've got pictures of her of my friends having kids and her face in all of the pictures is like, why have you handed me this and what is it doing? Um, whereas now she's like, oh, I just love them. They're so cute. Um, so yeah, she'd be well up for that. Oh, I hope <laughs> they get on. Um, okay, so let's wrap up the show with the five things that you took for granted before becoming parent <laughs> going to the toilet alone having a bath without somebody else in it <laughs> eating um meals together betty's got sensory issues so she only eats crunchy foods um but actually eating a meal at a normal time and with everyone in the same time that um listening to music that isn't kiss um or elton john on repeat continuously um Oh, and do you know what? Getting drunk whenever I want. <laughs> Just because oh. they're hangovers. Like I can go out, but it's the it's the morning the morning after. It's like a hangover times a million, isn't it? Because you can't yeah. you can't just lie there and feel sorry for yourself. You've got kids looking. No, why are you puking, Mum? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with this? Why do your face look bad? Why is your clothes over there? Why are you what's this? Mum, you were sick in the bathroom, weren't you? No. <laughs> just go and watch the TV for a bit. Um, you can have screens. Oh, <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. It's no, thank really you nice. me. And I'm sure this conversation will help a lot of women. And if you do think that you have been suffering with this, please, please bully your GP into, oh, 100%. into getting you a referral because you don't have to live like that. You don't. And don't feel bad for uh, printing off the symptoms and then ticking each one. I uh, One thing I did is do a diary. Mm-hmm. So um, each period you mark your symptoms, how long they lasted, um, and then take that with them because then they can't query that it's not happening every time. Mm-hmm. So you can have a list of everything that you're going through every month and eventually you'll meet a doctor that gets it. If in doubt, though, just go and see Coral and she'll do it for you. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> You need to listen. Yeah, 100%. I'm around. <laughs> oh, 
Brilliant. But yeah, take care. And it's lovely speaking to you. Yeah, you too. And as soon as lockdown allows, we shall uh, we shall meet up and have a chat in person. Yes, it will be lovely. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go now. Yes. Have a lovely evening. Yeah. Take care. <laughs> you too. Bye. Bye.